Welcome to the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 027. Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, here are the hosts of the Veterinary Project Podcast, Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Welcome back to the Veterinary Project Podcast. Yours truly, Dr. Michael Bug, Dr. Jonathan Light, another week, another great guest. What's shaking, Mike? You're you're 100% correct on another great guest. That was awesome. I know we're going to we're going to dive into that. Uh, as to what's shaking, what are we, February 10th here when we're recording this? Sure is. Um, for me, what is shaking is, you know, we're, we're a month into 2021 and I had all these goals and then quarterly goals, monthly goals. Um, and I kind of lifted my head up last week, give or take last week or last two weeks. and was like, man, I've kind of taken my eye off the ball on some of my goals um, so I don't want to say I'm resetting, I'm refocusing, you know, to make sure that I'm still pushing strong. Uh, we want to add some apartments to the portfolio. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, my, uh, where I'm at. I've seen it in your conversations, even in the last week. And I mentioned it to my wife in post is that, cause Hey, we've been doing a lot of strategy talk around this podcast in the veterinary community. And you can see that reset happening with you. And I think that's pretty cool. Cause it's February. Most people have already given up on their goals by February of the year that they've set them. So kudos to you. Well, thank you. I mean, this, this will happen many times throughout the year to me, right? This, this is a, I know myself, um, I'll set these huge goals and I'll drive towards them. And then, you know, you'll kind of lose a bit of steam and you have to kind of reset, um, get re-inspired, refocused, and then keep going, you know, keep that momentum, like don't let it grind to a halt. I see a session podcast recording right here because I want to know more about that. But focus okay. of today's conversation is with a different person. So let's hold on to that. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Well, tell us about you. We got a little bit of time. What's I happening guess we do have world? a little bit of time. We're a little bit shorter today. Um, yeah. Lots happening on the personal front. Uh, we, you know, are moving along with uh, Bridgeland Veterinary Clinic. So we received conditional approvals late last week, which is super exciting. You know, step 50 of a thousand were on our way. Um, you know, we're in our pre-recording, have a discussion. My wife and I, we were brainstorming this weekend. So for many that won't know, my wife is an executive assistant. She has um, worked with a number of individuals in C-suite executive positions. And her and I, sometimes when we're working together, and this is kind of a deep conversation quick, um, when my dad and I were working when we were younger, we get a little bit frustrated with each other. There's stubbornness on both parts and it was a little bit harder to work on some projects together. And I have personally carried that forward a little bit when my wife and I have worked together on renovation projects and such. 
So for this, and in this brainstorming session, I consciously told myself, Jonathan, shut up, let her do what she's good at. Cause she's way better at it than I am. And we had a great session. We brought a babysitter in, we sat down, we worked through some of the planning that needs to happen in the next month or two. And Holy heck, like she over delivered. We got a number of things done already and or next steps. And I couldn't have done it on my own. So again, going back to earlier conversations that you and I have had about who, not how, now I've got an amazing individual. She wants to be, she is an active partner in this and she has a skill set that I don't have. Um, so a, a really big realization week for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm so happy for you guys because that, that is, that's deeper than some people may realize on first listen, you know, to, to recognize that. Um, the other cool thing is oftentimes there's answers just right in front of you. Right. Like you guys are married, your your partners, like husband and wife. Candace has an amazing skill set. It's right there. She wants to be involved. You just gotta, you know, get out of her way and amazing things happen. Well, that's it. Open the door. And she's asked multiple times to open the door. So again, this is that first, you know, she's in, she's involved in the architectural designs. We're talking color palettes right now, of which I am horrible with. And uh and we're making great progress very quickly. And it's a lot of fun. This is, this is a great part. We've done, you know, multiple renovations, six, seven, eight now um, on different pr- uh, rooms, et cetera, in residential area. This is the fun part. We love this. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm so, happy for you. That's what's happening in our world. Um, let's move on though. Let's, yeah. let's move next steps as per always. First off, we go to our quick tip. All right. So a uh, quick tip. I kind of thought of this. Uh, while we were recording the episode. So you're going to see a theme of developing trust uh, pop up in this conversation. And I was kind of tying tying it to, to a saying in the stock market world. And I think it really fits with trust. So in the stock market world, there's a saying where uh, the stock market takes the stairs up and the elevator down, meaning it takes a long time to build up and then it can crash down at any moment. And I was thinking, man, that is really similar to how trust is built. It takes time. It takes effort. You have to take the stairs to build that up. But you can, it can crash down on you um, quickly if you take that for granted and stop putting in the effort. So that's my quick tip is with building trust. Um, think of kind of stairs up, put in the time, put in the work because it is worth it. Thanks for the quick tip, Mike. That is a great one. And I think that resigns, resounds perfectly with our guest today. On our guest, or on our recording today, we have Dr. Trevor Hook. Trevor took his undergraduate studies in animal sciences at the University of Alberta and graduated with honors in veterinary medicine from the University of Saskatchewan in 2011. After graduating, he started at Central Veterinary Clinic, which is a mixed animal practice in Pinoca, Alberta, and became a partner there in 2015. The practice, practice expanded into a new facility in 2016 and recently established a second location. Trevor's amazing. He's received the ABVMA Young Vet of the Year Award in 2015 and was also selected for the CVMA Emerging Leaders Program in 2018. And Central Veterinary Clinic has received multiple awards for its strong mentorship and teaching environment. Trevor has a special interest in equine performance horse medicine, orthopedic surgery, and dairy herd management. Trevor and his wife, Desiree, have three young children. And if you don't find them at work, you're going to find him wrestling with those kids. In his spare time, he enjoys spending time with his family in the outdoors, 
hiking, canoeing, mountain biking, adventure racing, and really playing any sport, especially hockey. Very quickly in this conversation, you're going to hear the passion that exists with Trevor. You're going to hear him discuss some of the early challenges that he had in his career, talking about the grass being greener on the other side, before moving into ownership and expanding their practice, what it looks like to be a community member and giving back in a big way and looking at veterinary medicine as not a job, but a passion and something that he so much enjoys loving doing. We finish off the conversation by looking at the other side as well, too, where the rose rose glasses might not be all there and talking about some of the stressors. So please hold on to that really important. They have a very busy mixed animal practice, and this is a conversation worth listening to. So without further ado, Dr. Trevor Hook. Trevor, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, Really excited to have this conversation. Again, we say that with every single guest and every single guest ahead of coming on here feels they're, they say they're nervous, um, not sure if they should be on there. It was no different with Trevor when we had our pre-recording conversation, but just like all of our other guests, really happy to have you on here because you bring such a wealth of knowledge and from the mixed animal side, really looking forward to diving deep into this conversation today. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. It's a great honor, you guys. I, I'm s- it's wonderful to see the development of your podcast and how it's grown. It's I've really enjoyed, I've listened to all but one, I think, and it's been really good. I always, I was joking with John earlier today or yesterday. And when you just phoned me about, you know, before we get this going today and I was like, yeah, if you need somebody to just fill a hole, plug a mixed animal bed in there. (laughs) (laughs) And and I told him we'd had multiple comments where people want more of that out here. So look at that. Our first plugger. (laughs) (laughs) No, good stuff. Honor to be here for sure. Excellent. A place where I'd like to start Trevor with us today is a little bit of discussion around your early career. Tell Mm -hmm. us about what it looked like coming out of school and or even before the end of school expectations as compared to reality. Yeah, you bet. So, uh, you know, I was definitely spent a lot of time in in the large animal side of things in that school and coming out, I always, you know, envisioned myself going on to be doing equine internship and, you know, wherever that led me after that. But, um, you know, I had a, a longtime girlfriend at the time and um, now my wife and wife of seven years. And, (laughs) you know, we dated for seven years before that. So, um, and, you know, like she wasn't, she was ready to get our life, you know, moving on beyond school. Right. We, she'd done four years of undergrad. She had a really good career with the Saskatoon Colossum company. And, you know, I think she envisioned our life going a little different than more school. (laughs) And so, um, it was about compromise and sacrifice. And so I, you know, we changed our, um, you know, we worked together to figure out what would work best for the both of us. And I ended up in mixed dental practice in central Alberta. And tell us a little bit about, you're not from Pinoca, you end up in Pinoca. Tell us about what that uh, process looked like in terms of looking at that small town as a potential first place out of school. Sure. So I interviewed all over, you know, I want, knew I wanted to come back to Alberta. My family's here. Uh, my brothers are here. And so I interviewed all over Alberta and over, 
the that once I'd narrowed it down to a couple practices, then it was based on, you know, what would work best for Des's career and work, my wife, what would work best for proximity to my family, you know, where could I do some horse work, you know, and maybe grow that into something that I had dreamed of, right? And, you know, I still, you know, didn't not want to do cows and small animals. It was just, you know, in in big, big dreams, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and that's what your, your niche and, was in school and what you'd So at. I had it down to actually two practices by the end of that interviewing process. And, and we picked Pinoca. Excellent. Yeah, and sure. so you get into Pinoca, you spend a couple of years, you're working hard, you're learning. And then that green grass starts growing. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Tell us what that looked like. And I think it's, uh, it's not an uncommon, um, challenge that a lot of new grads will go through. I don't think it's unique to my situation at all, but I think after two, you know, one to two years of practice, you're more comfortable in your role wherever you are. And we know, you know, vets are very goal oriented people where, you know, we've, we've ever since, you know, before vet school, you're driving to get the best grades so you can get into vet school. Well, for me that way, and a lot of us, and then in vet school, you're just working to get graduate and, you know, become a, a vet. Right. And then after that, two years out, you're, you become a little lost and you're like, Oh, where do I see myself in five and 10 years? And, um, you know, for me, I was like, do I see myself in 30 years doing mixed practice in a small town of 7,000 people? And, you know, then I started doubting what I, what I should do. And, you know, you're trying to figure out ideas for change and, Lo and behold, I got um, some colleagues of mine threw my name out there and they're like, hey, you want to come join us? And of course, I'm like the cow or the horse, the grass is greener on the other side at that time. You know, you're kind of um, unsettled and certainly an opportunity is there. And so I took it. Um, and six months later, I was back <laughs> in Pinocchio. <laughs> so it didn't work I out. I believe the direct quote was, you could have told your old boss you went around the world for six months. And- <laughs> yeah, you bet. It would have been a lot cheaper and less yeah. stressful to go on a holiday. <laughs> but that's the way, that's, you know, it's, that's how you learn. And that's- I don't regret it now, you know. But- I think that's a big piece there. There's lots of people that won't even take that first step for the fear Mm-hmm. And or for that possible regret, because, hey, guess what? 50-50 chance. This might work. This might not work. Yeah, for How sure. did you work through that, especially given you're already married? You already had a life going. Yeah, for sure. And as you know, I was really heavily like I put a lot of extra time into my job. It was um, because, you know, I wanted to grow the horse side and the horse, the practice wasn't really um, that equine oriented. And so I spent a lot of weekends and extra hours just doing any horse that I could put my hands on. And so then you develop this clientele that, you know, you've built trust with. And I felt like I was betraying them a little bit. I felt like I was betraying my, the, the vets that I worked with for all those two years. But um, I think a lesson for me is leave on good terms. You know, don't, you know, if there's an opportunity to come back, you might want it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so like after I'd left, I knew pretty quick that it was, had been the wrong decision for me. And my wife didn't want it to move either. Like I had really close friends in the area. Um, uh, and so, uh, I'd, I phoned up bill. I remember like two months dead of winter. It was like a really cold, long winter, a lot of below minus twenties, tons of snow. 
And so I, you know, you're cooped up in your house with not a lot, you know, and now my social life is all up, like, you know, completely disrupted. And so I remember I phoned Bill and he's like, sure. When do you want to come back? (laughs) You know, that's like, that sure makes you feel pretty good. Right. Yeah. That must've been a big relief. Yeah, you bet. And so it's a lesson for me now as an owner um, to replicate those kind of behaviors. You know, I was lucky. I had really good mentors here. I feel very fortunate. Yeah, everybody should should get a chance to work with a uh, uh, a guy like Dr. Bell. He he always had he had this natural um, uh, demeanor about him, just to make you feel good about yourself, no matter what you're doing. I remember I'd be doing like a cat spay or you know something pretty simple for vets in general, and he'd always act like he was interested and like like it was the first time he'd seen it, and he'd probably seen like. 10,000, you know, like nothing special to him, but he felt, he made you feel like that was the most important thing at the time. And uh, I'm not naturally like that, but you know, I have to work like that, but that, I think that's a big goal of mine, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, can I jump in here? Cause I think this is, this is important. We have a, we see a lot of guests. We talk to a lot of people that reach that moment of making a decision where the grass may look greener on the other side and sometimes mm-hmm. it actually is and they oh. make that choice and, and off you they bet. go and sometimes yeah. it's not. So when you reflect on it, like what kind of lessons can you give our listeners, you know, for the next sort of opportunity, quote unquote, that comes along where the grass may look gl- greener. So how do you mm-hmm. analyze those now, you know, knowing what you know? Mm-hmm. Um. Like certainly, and I did it at the time, you got to make a list of like, write it down. Like, what do you like about your life now? And not just the work, but like, what's your commute to work? Like my commute here is two minutes to work. Like certainly I drive a lot of work at, you know, from farm to farm, but like two minutes to work, I can go home for coffee if I want, you know? (laughs) And, And those are the little things that you don't always think about when you're looking at that other practice, you see the fancy new, you know, exam room with the brand new digital x-ray and the, you know, the, um, you know, you know, the team of like perfectly dressed (laughs) matching techs. I don't know, you know what, whatever. Um, whatever is the, it's the small details that you sometimes forget to, um, incorporate in that evaluation. Right. And like, commute like an extra like I was commuting when I left I was commuting like an hour every day that's like two hours of your life now spent in a car versus two minutes four minutes yeah that is like the value of that to me now especially is is you know incredible right you know especially with little kids yeah and and I don't sometimes some of these things you'll never appreciate until you try something new. And I don't think it's a bad thing to try something new. And, you know, we always say, think of like, when we look at our team now, we're like the ones that seem to appreciate their precisions a little bit more are the ones that have worked somewhere else. <laughs> right. Yeah. That experience is there. And that's, I, sometimes you, you, there's only experience that'll teach you that. Right. But I think, the best way is to try to, you know, list those things out, write them down and try to think of everything. 
as you know, as simple as walking out the front door every day. What's what do you look out when you walk out your front door? You know, is it a hundred other apartment buildings or is it like a river? You know, but you know, we're very career and we're so driven as uh, professionals. A lot of times we don't we don't often look at the trees and smell the air and those kind yeah. of things, right? And I think it's yeah. really important. I think this that's a great point because we can be mm-hmm. so alpha um you know goal oriented like you're saying and we can lose track Mm -hmm. of how different little things make us feel you know like i when you were saying that i can picture it you walk outside and you see a river and it's open air for me the feeling is completely different than you know rat race commuting for an hour you bet you know it doesn't matter what you know i'll use pay just because that's what people can focus on it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you're getting paid five thousand more if you feel way worse no for sure and like, and sometimes only experience can show that sometimes, and sometimes experience yeah, and the amount of stress those things can create or alleviate. Like we go for walks in the woods because that is a major de-stressor. And like, if you live in the woods, every time you walk to your truck, you're getting, you know, you're getting some of that, you know, whereas versus dry, I can't, there's no way commuting is is not stressful most of the time, right? <laughs> you know, so, maybe unless you're listening to the veterinary podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's, thank you for the plug. Yeah, love the plug. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the, those are some lessons I learned. And uh, I don't think it's an easy thing to learn or prepare for and and plan for. I think sometimes you just got to do it. And And we did our best and didn't work out, but you know, I'm, I'm don't regret what I, that I tried for sure. Looking at a portion of what you said when you moved uh, elsewhere and missing your social community and the upheaval that that was, tell me a bit about what community means to you, especially in the context of rural mixed practice. Cause you yeah, said some sure. really interesting pieces in our pre-recording conversation around not only are these individuals, your clients, they are your mm-hmm. friends. Yeah, you bet. And I think, it's more unique to rural practice. And I think for me, especially, but I think across the board, if you want to be long-term, have success long-term in rural practice, you got to be become part of the community. Um, like last night after a pre-recording, I was doing 4-H Zoom meetings with some 4-H kids. And, you know, I don't get paid for that. You know, I, you know, it's, you know, I don't get anything back from that other than I'm giving back to the people that, you know, probably indirectly or directly support my livelihood. Plus it gives me like, you know, we're all in the pursuit of happiness, right? That is very rewarding to me to support my community and, and help my, my neighbors. Right. So just, I was telling Johnny yesterday that my neighbor's dog, I saw him at the clinic, you know, and he's get had an ear infection. I was in the doctor treating him um, or on Saturday. And uh, th- then I was thinking to me, man, should I like just take my neighbor's dog home? Cause I'm going home for lunch anyways. Yep. And you're like, I didn't because I was like, oh, then who's going to pay his bill? He's off the phone in. It's a big pain in the butt. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but like those little things, like when I leave for holidays, my neighbor's going to water my horses, you know? if or catch them if they get out which has happened more than once (laughs) you know and if i need a trailer or bobcat i could phone somebody up tomorrow 
and get it in my backyard and no strings attached. So and, there, there are some individuals that I've worked with now, Trevor, that would say, Hey, um, there's stress involved with that because from a work-life balance, when you are off, so to say, when you're not in the clinic, not being a practicing veterinarian and you're in the grocery store, yeah. you're still seeing your clients. How oh, do you sure. deal with that? Oh yeah. And half the time, I don't remember who their dog is. <laughs> They're telling me about their dog <laughs> and I felt really bad. Cause you're like, Oh, I should know that guy's dog. But to me, that's like, that, that, is, that, that doesn't stress me out at all. And maybe I'm unique in that situation. You know, I think it's different for these eMERGE clinics that are on 24 seven. They're like, they work way more inten- intensively than I do. I, I think for the most part, um, but these are like, these are people go play hockey with after and drink beer. And like, I don't mind, you know, I have a skill and a unique, unique training that, you know, people would die to have. And if I can give that to people, I, that makes me feel really good, you know? And I think, you know, there's so much stress in that. And if I makes me feel good, that's endorphin release. That makes, that reduces my stress. And you know, if, if you're one of those individuals that need to hide, you know, like wants that separation, that's fine, but I'm just not one of those people. And, um, for me, it's created a lot of happiness reward and, um, and it, it's given my, and now, especially with a young family, an environment where my kids, it's an environment where my kids and my neighbor's kids can grow up where we can, you know, we can do it together and create, you know, educate these kids and, and develop them into contributing adults, right? I think, yeah, you know, so. I just got to jump in on, um, it's making me smile because I follow uh, you and your wife's Instagram. And very often I'll see pictures of like the whole family, you know, doing (laughs) a calving or treating (laughs) a calf. Yeah, you bet. Um, The other ones I really like is early morning sunrises, like coming over your clinic. Oh, Um, yeah. And that is like, when we're talking about who do we have on as a guest, I was like, hook. I mean, this guy, well, I mean, it's obvious, like you're an inspiration when I watch that and listen, listen to how you say it, mm -hmm. like you, you have something special in it. It's, I would say it's like work life integration, you know, like you seem to have mastered that, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. And I feel very blessed. Like I take my kids and family to my clients all the time. Like and especially now with COVID, that's all you can do. Like you can't visit your family, but you can go show them cows in the barn. <laughs> so it's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's, to me, it's really important that my kids see me working because working's part of life. We have to do it. You know, I have to pay my bills. I have to put a roof over my head. I have to meet, be my children. And I think work is really good for our, our happiness and our welfare. It gets me outside. It gets me thinking. It develop. you know, it, challenges my brain it challenges my body work is like work should be a good thing but you know it's it's not easy and we've certainly seen it as we've grown from a practice of four vets to 11 you know your your dynamics of the practice change a lot and um there's a lot more management and um human resources work that needs to go into it to make an environment, a place where you want to come to work, but that's always been really important to us. And I think a legacy from my mentor, Dr. Bill, you know, any tips or tricks specifically, Trevor, like it's innate in you. 
known you since the time that you've blended those. You work hard. We've all played hockey together. Like yeah. you, you have those skills. How do you, do you consciously have to think about how you now lead that in your newer veterinarians coming in and, or even those that have experience or now you're leading? Yeah. I don't know. We're still learning. <laughs> right. Always. There's no yep. easy answers, but I think one, you've got to make it fun. You've got to, you've got to recognize especially those young grads successes and we just went through reviews recently and it's always like talk to talk to your associates you never know what's going like what are their challenges like one of our new grads she's you know two months out or three months out and well longer now goes so fast but um she's like I wanted to quit after my two years and I was like I had no idea I thought you were doing awesome (laughs) you know (laughs) and so you one is like you gotta talk to them. And when you be like, when you're a practice of four, you do that every day, you see every day, but there's weeks now with 11 vets, I won't see some of my colleagues for like a week or two or more. Right. And so I think those kind of, that's how you can make it better. Communicate, talk, hash out issues. Do you set know, a like, there's, I don't think there's a secret sauce, but no. you gotta, you gotta just put the time into it. And yeah. do you set aside time or does that fall into your normal day to day? Uh, yeah, we're trying to do better. We, I'm still busy. I work more than my associates still nine days a week. I can still outbill most of them. Right. Um, so I think it's a priority for a practice. We're trying to slowly get there. It's so important though. You look at it and it wasn't so important when you're four vets, but now when you're 11, it becomes bigger problems, bigger issues. and and um and if it's not a happy place to work people won't want to they don't enjoy it till they don't want to come to work and then it's like and then it you're not getting happiness from coming to work and it should be a happy fun place and i don't know we do such cool stuff i don't know mixed i think mixed practice is a really awesome place to be and well, I'm, let's, I'm biased i guess but let's talk about a couple of those cool things mm-hmm. you're yeah, in an so, area where you're in between two major centers for sure even three if you want to include red deer mm-hmm. you have opportunity to provide skill set to your new vets but also for your patients where referral is not possible mm-hmm. what does that look like in 2021 from trevor hook's perspective around needing to refer versus taking the chance having for the sure. skill set because that's important but actually still going forward with some of the procedures that you guys do. Cause yeah, for sure. you do some advanced procedures, which in the main city would sometimes be, mm, should we be doing those or not? Yeah, you bet. I think always, we've always strived at, at our practice to do the best medicine. And if you're not, if you're not, you should, that's what I always think. You should compare yourself to the best. And if you're doing the same thing as the best out there, I do not think that's malpractice. Cause if I, you know, if I have the same pain control, same, same surgical approach, same outcomes, why is that any different than, um, anybody else? Yeah. A boarded specialist. Doing yeah, it. Yep. for sure. And I'm not going to challenge, like, we're not going to ever cha- take on uh, issues where we won't do the best medicine. Okay. And so I how think do that's you define good- that. Has that been over time? You've gotten more risk sensitive or yeah for sure like in rural i think you have more opportunity to do that because there's more financial constraints uh or you know i'm sure it's everywhere but um um 
I don't know, maybe it's just more cultural, but like our goal is always to help the clients and help the patients as best we can. And if they want to take, um, if they want to try it here cheaper than they could do it in the big cities, then we'll, we'll tackle it as long as we feel it's within our, our skill set. Yeah. So and, you guys have also taken advanced training. You do TPLOs out of your facility. You know, mm-hmm. that that's the one that comes to mind for me. For sure. And you've done a number of them and a number of the partners have taken that training. Yeah, you bet. And, um, in our opinion, we do as good a job as, uh, anybody else out there. Um, and we feel that it's, it's okay. Excellent. Yep. I don't know if that's a good answer, but there is no right answer or wrong answer. It's just, it's, it's really interesting to get a different perspective because we have Mm -hmm. so many grads that come out now and don't want to even do the basics sometimes. I know like mature space. Exactly. Mature space, cystotomies, simple enterotomies, those basic procedures. Yeah. And you look at the, like the, the deficit of veterinarians out there is only going to get worse over the next 10 years. And, um, I don't think the specialists will be able to serve that demand long-term, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. So, so Trevor, how do you, when you're approaching say a TPLO, you know, and you're, you're just starting into that world. So you take the training, you know, and event, eventually you're going to do your first one. And Mm -hmm. when I, when I see you, when I see your Instagram and when we, when I chat with you, I mean, you are excited about learning. Yeah. And you know that in that process, there is a chance that things will go wrong, but excitement seems to be the predominant, uh, like feeling. Yeah, for sure. Like I, and that's what you got to keep learning in this profession. You got to keep pushing yourself. Otherwise you're gonna, you're not going to enjoy it. You're gonna, you're gonna get in a lull and you'll quit. Like I, I don't want to vaccinate dogs every day, all day. Like, you know, even herd health now, it's like physically the demand on your body is, is gets harder and harder and it's more routine. So you want to do something else, right? And there's the opportunities in vet med are like endless, I think. And, you know, don't get me wrong. That first TPL was like, <laughs> you, you pop some omeprazole before you go to surgery. <laughs> 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 and like, I'm lucky and I have the vets here that I work with. Dr. Layton, Dr. Kelly, we, we take those courses together. So then it's not just me doing the surgery, it's me and him. So I can blame him if it goes wrong, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, like you got people to bounce ideas off. We have like, we have really good relationships with surgeons, horse surgeons. I have like some of the best mentors have been some of the horse vets, horse surgeons. And they're like, I've had horse engine tell me to do colic surgeries i'm like hell no (laughs) i'm not touching that (laughs) you know but like you got to find those mentors that are going to believe into you and and support those decisions and certainly there's cases where you know and you got sometimes you just got to learn when you got to build trust if the client trusts you if you communicate that effectively um it's gonna go good even if this you know if you have poor outcomes which happen you know, even for boarded surgeons, poor, I've seen bilateral TPLO plates blow apart, you know, from, and I didn't do them and infections. I've taken TPLO plates on dogs that were infected, you know, but if the client knows 
the risk, the expectations, and they have trust in you, it's going to go good. And, you know, we got pretty special clients around here, I think. I'm sure every week that says that, right? So great. So great. People, right? Not everything is all roses, Trevor. You know, in our pre-recording, we talked about business being one of your main stressors in life. You run and operate a very successful mixed animal practice that has a large number of team members, um, has all the stresses of, you know, a, a large business in the veterinary field. Tell us a little bit about that. What keeps you up at night for all of those that are looking at a mixed animal practice as a, you know, possible future venture for them? Yeah. So we've grown a lot in 2015, we bought 2016, we expanded into a new 13,000 square foot facility. And then last year we bought a new practice in a neighboring community. And so our expansion has been really fast and like we weren't, we're, we're still not handling the management side as well as we could, but we're, we're working on it. Right. You know, it's, that's all that, I think that'll always be a work in progress. So that's definitely one of the things that keeps me up at night, making sure my team is happy and wants to come to work. And there's always going to be a little issues that come up and communication problems and, um, um, job description, um, um, variability or getting them figured out. Yeah, exactly. All those little details, they're important and you want consistency and fairness. And um, so that's been a big challenge. The other one that, sorry. Oh, no, I was just seeing if there's anything different from your experience with your colleagues, you know, all of us friends that you've heard small animal versus mixed animal, that would be a particular stress. And like training, like even my new grads now, they come in and they're like, I want to do hawk injections. You know, I can show you technically how to do hawk injections. I can show you what to use, what needles to use. I can do that and you'll be good at it. The trouble is I've worked 10 years for this horse client and they trust me to do, they won't even ask questions now. But if you come out, you got to build that trust. And it doesn't take one visit with me. It takes six years. And that's something that's hard for new grads to understand because they are so excited about doing this cool stuff. And I get it. And like we were part of the learning community, like the UCVM. So we get UCVM uh, vet students. And like just last week, I was doing the first LDA with them. And they're like so excited to do the whole surgery by themselves. For me, I'm like, frick, I want to get home by five, right? And that is the difference. And you gotta, you gotta remember that for me as a mentor, you gotta, that's why it's so nice to get these vet students. Cause you gotta remember these vet students. They're like, I want to spit neuter a cat. That would be the best thing in the world. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> I want to get home for supper. <laughs> I want to see my kids tonight, <laughs> but you know, and so that's really, um, a big thing. Sorry. Um, challenges yeah just challenges what it looks like yep and then obviously you know you have two partners which you guys have a great relationship with each other um the ups and downs that go with that you decided to partner with others versus a lot of veterinarians say hey no i'm only going on this on my own for sure yeah and the definitely the one thing that keeps me up by night going back to that question is the business like the the numbers game you know, the dynamics of a mixed practice, especially large and um, a lot of 
people don't understand we don't charge enough for professional fees on the large animal side especially cattle bovine um and you rely a lot of on pharmaceutical sales right and um it's a really competitive market and there's some cutthroat people that are going to come into your backyard and they're gonna they're willing to dump drugs off without doing any vet work and so that's that keeps me up at night for sure Something that you, you said in our pre-recording, which I really appreciated, was you said that used to keep you up at night. You'd take that personally. Mm-hmm. Still do, but it might have improved over time. Yeah, it's a lot better for sure. Like it's business, right? And that's the unique aspect of veterinary medicine. It's it is a business, and if you're not running a successful business, I can't pay my staff. I can't pay. I can't pay myself, right? I can't pay for the rent here, and uh, you know I. I, my teammates, my colleagues, I get to see them grow from new techs, from new vets into like rocking vets and rocking techs that like I would trust. I don't even have to ask them and they're ready to go. And um, I want to give them a livelihood. And um, so that, that that side definitely stresses you out when, you know, your competitors come in and, and, and threaten to take that away. But you just, you know. I don't, you know, nobody, I don't think it's ever, mostly if you have a good service base, if your clients trust you, they'll support you, but there's still that, you know, anybody, even you and me, if it's, if it's 200% more, they're not, you're not going to buy it, right? Whether it's a bad or we all price shop and it's, it's, why wouldn't you, you should, right? So there's challenges there. And I think this is an important conversation and i don't know if we've had this on our podcast yet um you know lots of times veterinarians will look at being a business owner owning a veterinary clinic and the the sort of rose-colored side of okay i can make more money and they know there'll be some management but this intangible sort of bait like underlying stress of you Mm. know you are sort of responsible for I don't know how many team members you have, but you know, lots of team members, they each yeah, have over families. 30 now. Yeah. So, so 30 families, they, they have kids, you know, they need to buy groceries and there's no way to like quantify that. Right. That, no. you know, like we were talking when COVID hits, you know, something completely unexpected and back in the early days, right. Like early March where it was still, no one knew what this was. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it's a great thing to point out to people, you know, there, there is that intangible stress that for sure. And like, yeah, that's, that's the hairline going up. Not the vet sides to me is easy. (laughs) You know, that's the, that is what, that's what keeps me up at night for sure. Like I love the vet work. I'm that is, that is what I do for fun. I'm a vet for fun, you know, but man, that business owner, that's, that is, that is hard. And the more, that's why your podcast is so valuable to me because you're bringing people that maybe can, you know, have more bigger ideas than I could ever dream of. Right. And I can learn from you guys always have looked up to you guys, you know, so yeah. Well, appreciate being open with that, Trevor. And yeah, different, different direction and and really wanted to uh, ensure we shared both sides of the equation. Sure. Yep which is there. Uh, timing wise, we are already at our time, which is nice. unbelievable. And exactly what, uh, 
I unfortunately thought would happen for this episode because there's a lot more in our pre-recording we could have gotten into. Oh yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's of value for you guys and the listeners. And without yeah. a doubt, Trevor, yeah, without a doubt. But we're not done yet. We are going to go into our impact round, and our impact round sure. always is a series of short <laughs> questions which we're going to put to you. And our first question, Trevor, is. Are you a cat or a dog person? And, <laughs> and actually, a uh, Dr. Reed asked, I should be putting in there bovine or equine. Exactly. That's what I was thinking for sure. <laughs> so I am going to add that on the fly for Curtis. <laughs> you bet. If I was going to, uh, I'm a horse guy for sure. Yeah. Uh, and if between cat and dog, dog. So to put my weight in on that debate. Look at that. We'll give yeah. you one for two on that one. <laughs> but cows are pretty close to you know true or false i knew i wanted to be a veterinarian since i was a kid that's right for sure yeah and i there's a i remember a tech came in to my grade two class that's why it's so important to do this thing for kids inspire the young generation go and do zoom meetings or go to their classrooms if one of them wants to be vet i think that's awesome and that's why that's where i got my dream so yeah for sure there's my plug for doing community service how would your friends describe what you do for a living? <laughs> I'd say mostly put my appendages up orifices. <laughs> Man, you said that so politically correct. Good job. <laughs> what is your favorite hobby? Oh, yeah. I've, I think it's really seasonal. And being a vet is definitely one of my hobbies. I, I, I do. I I work as a vet for fun, but also it's summer. I'm hiking, mountain biking, canoeing, swimming, winter, skiing, hockey. Hockey's always been a big one. I really miss it this year for sure. Um, but yeah, and hanging out with my kids for sure. Nice. So it's really seasonal. What in this world are you most grateful for? Oh, everything. I, you know, I, Mike, you're, your great, you know, that diary where you write three things that you're grateful for every day. I, I've, you know, I've made a non-conscious effort of doing that for a long time. Like when I walk out in the morning, smell, you know, smell the air, look at the sky. There's so much to be grateful for. And I, you know, my family's a huge one for sure, but my career, my community, this country, our friends. Yeah. Uh, my health for sure yeah I, I, everything this might be my favorite answer to this question trevor um just because like looking at you like i can feel it when you said everything i was oh, like yeah. it kind of hit me i was like that that was a great answer yeah you bet thanks mike awesome well we are coming towards the end of our podcast recording today trevor uh i am certain there are people that are going to want to reach out check out your instagram talk with you about business, mixed animal practice, community service. If they want to do so, what's the best way of getting a hold of you? Yeah. Instagram is pretty good. Uh, just look up Trevor Hook or my email, drhook at centralvetclinic.ca. Nice. And with that, uh, before we sign off, thanks for today, Trevor. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. It's a great, it's an honor, man. I, I never thought you'd ever ask me. So that's pretty cool. Look at that. And I think you're doing a great thing. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I just got to chime in with the thanks too. I mean, 
you, you really are an inspiration. Um, you know, when I, I, I would recommend everyone follows your Instagram at minimum, um, because as a veterinarian and for the veterinary profession, I mean, we need more people like you out there. Thanks Mike. Yeah. And you're all, anybody's always welcome to swing in and we'll take them, we'll get them putting some arms up cow butts. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, Trevor, as always for our veterinary project podcast guests, what message do you want to leave for the veterinary community? Oh yeah. Work hard, be grateful and have fun. Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing, as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. General feedback, requests for information, or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.